in a world where corruption, lies, and hate hang over our heads like a dark storm cloud on a winter's night. The only hope for a new day is the age of authenticity. Join me for season four as we go on a mission to help 100 million people break out of isolation and into acceptance. We're gonna come alongside visionary entrepreneurs, change makers, and thought leaders. We're gonna crack this code together. An array of light and an age of authenticity is upon us. Enjoy today's episode. Hi everyone, this is your host, Chris Decker, for another episode of The Age of Authenticity. Today we're speaking with Joe Sweeney. He's spent more than 35 years blending his love of business and passion for sports. He has owned, operated, and sold four manufacturing companies, headed up the Wisconsin Sports Authority, and launched a sports marketing firm. Joe purchased equity interest in an investment banking firm and served as president and managing director. He is now an accomplished author, internationally known speaker, and investor in private equity companies. Joe's passion is studying human behavior. He has used the fields of sports, business, and military as his laboratory to better understand why certain people outperform others. He is especially devoted to helping and mentoring young athletes and executives to develop all aspects of their career, business, and life. Joe, today I'd like to discuss a recent TED Talk that you did where you were talking about connection and being real. Well, first of all, Chris, it's great to be with you. I really uh, applaud what you're doing. Um, and I, I love your topic of authenticity and, and being real. But you're right. I did a TED Talk. They wanted me to do it on networking as a contact sport, which is a book I, I actually wrote about 10 years ago. But I did a little bit of Audible there, and I really brought it more into your topic about authenticity and connection. And I really think the elephant in the room for this whole community in our country is really this is we think a lot of things are really important, Chris. And I think the number one thing we all want more than anything is this thing called connection. And in your topic, authenticity, where we want to connect deeper with ourselves, with other people into a power greater than us. But Chris, this, this is perfect setup. This is not the stuff we talk about at the cocktail parties. What do we talk about, Chris? Hey, Chris, did you get that new Beamer? Did you get the new 7 Series or the 5 Series BMW? Like, that's really important. It's really not. And so this whole um, topic you're on is something I think we long more than anything in our lives, to be real and to be authentic. So kudos to you, Chris. Thank you. I'm allergic to small talk. Doesn't make any sense to me. And I'm I, I'm curious how you you started to get into human development, psychology. What makes people tick? Where did that passion start? You know what's funny, Chris? It probably started when I was five or six years old. And not to bore your audience with my family background, but my parents wanted to have a baby girl and name her Mary. That was their goal. My parents popped out nine straight boys. And the 10th was finally a girl. So where I think this started was really in my family of origin. I'm the number ninth son. Uh, I've got eight older brothers. So I think naturally as I grew up, not sure I've ever quite grown up, Chris, but um, I studied my eight older brothers. What worked? Mm. What didn't work? What were the clues and the lessons? Because as you know, Chris, 
all success and failures leave clues in life. So I started yeah. this and I've always been um, infatuated with um, high performers, whether it's in athletics, whether it's in the military, whether it's in business. And for the last 50 years of my life, I've tried to cream what was the best um, and what worked and what didn't work. And in the second book I wrote, Moving the Needle, it's really about human performance and how do you perform at a high level consistently. And I mentioned all the people in the organizations that I've studied and I've worked with in that book. So it really started as a, as a, as a young boy and people say, oh, your passion is sports and business. It's actually really human behavior. What makes people tick? Why do people do what they do in life, Chris? Think about it. Why is it that some people can win back to back to back NFL MVPs like Brett Favre, who I worked with for years here? Why is it some people can can go through torturous training of becoming a Navy SEALs? I do a lot of work in San Diego with transitioning elite military and Navy SEALs. And then why is it some people can't get out of bed in the morning? What are the traits? What are the tools that they use? And that's kind of my passion is human behavior. I love it. Your passion is human behavior and you love it. You've worked with transitioning Navy SEALs, all-star athletes. And the question on your mind is, how can someone win consecutive back-to-back -back championships? How can someone endure the most grueling training and come out the other side alive? And then why do some people have trouble getting out of bed in the morning? You know, um, the, the secret, and actually it took 240 pages to write it, but there are a lot of traits. But I think the number one thing that really makes people tick and, and how they um, are able to move the needle consistently is the big thing is they start with a big enough why. Why do I want to do this? I'll ask you, Chris. Why do you want to do this show? Why? What, what inspires you to go and interview all these people? Why? And I think you found it because you're on fire when you do these interviews. And your passion is really, I think, Chris, authenticity. I want to deal with people that are really real because I'm sick and tired of the fake crap in this world. And I, again, I, I think what you're doing is really cool. I love your topic and I love what you're doing. But I think to answer your question, People who do really well have a big enough why. You know, why am I doing this? And if you figure that out, you can do almost anything in your life. Mm. Thank you. And and for those that are listening, I, you, you've heard me preach this a million times. I am searching for messages of authenticity and acceptance to help 100 million people break out of isolation during these times in the world. In a world where corruption, lies, and hate are governing our every day, the only thing that's going to stand out is the truth. The only thing that's going to make a difference is the real. There is no other way. Today we're speaking with Joe Sweeney. He's done it all. But we're specifically focusing on what makes humans tick. What are the habits that lead to success? And are, are there some common habits and traits that you found for, from successful people and athletes? There, there's hundreds of them. But one of the things about being real, and I do a lot of this in training with transitional um, elite military and athletes, is one of the things, and I know you've got males and females in your audience, and I deal with a lot of men, 
Um, but I got to tell you, the whole one of the traits of authenticity and being real is is it's really trusting people. And people say, hey, Chris, we just got to trust each other. But if you really chunk it down, I've read 100 books on trust and half the people who wrote them I don't trust, but that's a whole other issue. But if you really study this, which I have, Chris, and if, if you really want to be real, it starts with this. It starts with a sense of vulnerability. And that's something mm. most of us don't want to talk about, especially men, especially mm. macho athletes and high performing military. So I do a whole program of helping them become comfortable with their vulnerability. And that's really hard, harder for men than for women. And if you look at that's mm -hmm. the first step. The second step is once you become vulnerable, you create a sense of intimacy. Now, most of us think mm. intimacy is about sex. It's not about sex. Intimacy is about truth, what you're talking about. It's about realness. It's about me, Chris, being uh, comfortable standing emotionally naked in front of you uh, and mm. becoming comfortable with that. That's intimacy. Now, I got to tell you, if you got that with a person and you have sex, the sex is really good, but, but, <laughs> but that's not what intimacy is. So vulnerability uh, leads to a sense of intimacy, which really hits on the root of trust or realness, which is what your whole thing is about, authenticity. Mm. Mm. Don't hear what he's not saying, ladies and gentlemen. What's that? Yes, uh, ladies and gentlemen, don't hear what he's not saying. When he's saying being emotionally naked and vulnerable in front of someone else, what he's saying is when we're doing that, when we're going to share a piece of ourselves, we're asking the other person, do you accept me? When you're willing to put yourself on that limb, those are my words. I'm just going to, I'm going to go ahead and say it. Do you accept me? And I will say a hundred percent of the time from my own experience, if I'm going to share something with someone else that is real Instead of what I think is going to happen, which is they're going to run away like I'm some sort of toxic dumpster fire, it actually brings us closer together and a, and a connection is developed. I have not had a single case where that is not what happens. Have you had a similar experience? <laughs> it's a, an anecdote for your listeners to kind of um, um, marinate on that thought. Um, there's a guy who lives just north of you in California by the name of Jack Canfield. Great guy. He wrote the book Chicken Soup of the Soul series. Real quick, I just I just interviewed Mark Victor Hansen, his co-author on Chicken Soup for the Soul yesterday. <laughs> Jack Jack is the real deal. He's been a mentor of yeah. mine. I've been to Santa Barbara with him. And what he, he he taught me this, and I use it in a lot of workshops and coaching sessions. He has people to prove your point. Um go into a 7-Eleven store out of breath and ask the manager, where's the closest 7-Eleven st uh, store? Now, I know it sounds like a stupid question, but he said <laughs> eight out of 10 times, the manager, the person behind the desk will say, you seem stressed. You're in a 7-Eleven store and do you need a cup of coffee? Do you need some water? But here's the, here's the lesson. We think when we ask questions that may be stupid, maybe things we're not sure about, people are going to laugh at us. Again, eight out of 10 times people will say, 
hey, Chris, I hear what you're saying. How can I help you on your journey? And I think it really comes back back to high-performing people. It really depends on your mindset in life. How do you look at life? How do you look at the universe? Is this a fearful, um, ugly, dark universe? Or is it filled with light and gratitude? And how do you wake up every day? So I do a lot of that in my training. And uh, But that's interesting. You just talked to Mark Victor Hansen. He is... Um, uh, he's an interesting guy. He and Jack Canfield together have sold over 500 million copies of that series. I think outside the Bible, maybe the best-selling book of all times. Um, and they've done a great, great job of it. So Jack Canfield uh, speaks to what you're talking about, um, about being real. But but you got. I'm, I want to caution your listeners, Chris. Not everybody wants to be real. And if you notice that um, people don't want to go deep, and again, I don't care if it's politics or government or business. Do you ever notice, Chris, most of the noise, come? it's like a swimming pool. Most of the noise comes from the shallow end. Mm. Mm. That one, that one's hitting pretty hard. Most of the noise comes from the shallow end, and shallow means there's a lack of depth. But, but you know, think about this, Chris. And part of your whole thing of authenticity is really about going deep, getting below the surface. And a lot of people don't want to do that. I use the um, analogy because I speak on many of the things that you're talking about. Is about authenticity and going deep. Think of a small lake, and when the waves are coming in, it's really rough. You can't see in the bottom. And so in order to be authentic, many of us have to hit the pause button and get quiet and look inside. And back to the analogy of the lake, when the lake gets calm, you can see the bottom. And what do you see sometimes? A rusted Coke can, a bicycle tire. You see things you don't like. And what most of us do, and I'm guilty of it too, when you go deep and you see parts of yourself or parts of your life that you don't like, what do most of us do? We go, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to go there. And so we go back to the surface. And you, when you meet someone who's really real and really authentic, you can tell that they've spent a lot of time in the deep end. And um, But when you do that, um, it will transform your life. And that's, again, I love your uh, topic on authenticity and being real. Thank you. Um, and just so you know, Chris, I tried to be somebody else for a lot of my life, and I was really bad at it. And, and I think there's something in the maturing and aging process that you can become more real um, and more authentic as you age because – uh, and I say this in my last book, um, I think the three greatest lies that we have that are the antithesis of authenticity are this, the three biggest lies. I am what I have, I am what I do, and I am what other people think of me. Those are three of the biggest lies. So think about this, Chris. You have a, a great house and a lot of money and everyone loves you and you make some bad business deals and you lose your house you lose all your money, you no longer have the company, then who are you? Most people say, loser, but that's not true. You're not your things, you're not what you do, and you're not what other people think of you. 
And I think real authentic people understand that and they live that. Hmm. You're not defined by what you have, what you do. If you were to lose everything tomorrow, would that really be your identity? Is that what you're putting your faith in? Is that what you're, you're trusting your, your life in? Is, is something that can be taken away in an instant? And what Joe's saying here is that he tried to be someone he wasn't. And as he's gotten older and reflected, he just wrote it in a recent book, he's been able to become more authentic. And I, I'm curious what that transition has been like for you. If you have seven hours and seven beers, I could probably dig in. Um, <laughs> but I think what happens a lot of times, and you know, I've got several takeaways, but kind of my um, knee-jerk um, answer reaction to this is when you become more real and authentic, a lot of things happen. But one of the key things is you realize in a hurry who your friends are and who your acquaintances are. And I mean, we're always going through trans, small transformations in our life and changes. But as you change and grow, one of the things I thought, I had a lot of friends, like thousands of friends. And as you make transitions and as you age, you realize a lot of those people are acquaintances. And that was one wake up call for me. And, and again, why I'm so excited about what you're doing is I don't think being real and being authentic is really that important for a lot of people. And the greatest glaring example I have is this thing called fake book. I think people call it Facebook. Look, <laughs> think about that. It is the biggest lie out there. And I know it's nice and there are good things about it. You can stay connected, but think of what it's done. It's um, Copernicus had this thing that, um, it, that we are not the center of the universe. That is really a blow to a lot of us on Facebook, because what's Facebook about? Look at me. Don't I look good? Hey, Chris, look at me and my beautiful meal at this great restaurant. And what you're really saying? You must be a loser, Chris, being at home eating your leftovers. Or, you know, we have the perfect family, the perfect love relationship. Look, I'm going to tell everybody. And I, I know a lot of people who post those things. I try not to spend a lot of time on social media. And I know their real life. And I'm thinking, this isn't true. So I think social media has really, um, what's the right term, accelerated the unauthenticity um, of a lot of our lives. And again, that's why this show is so great, because it's about being real. Yeah. Um I used to want to be the the star, the the star of the show, me versus the world. I was going to go make so much fu money that I could do whatever I wanted, and I hit a rock bottom when I was technically on top with all the money um, engaged in my addictions, alcoholism, sex addiction, uh, drugs, addicted to money, um, hit with a massive lawsuit. Everything was at risk. My 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 marriage was at risk. Every, and and I I remember looking up and asking is this is this all there is god and you know i made a i made a pact in that moment is that if he delivered me through that experience i would dedicate the rest of my my life to him and what that meant was it was no longer about me it was about others it was about it it was about 
even if I'm embarrassed of sharing these problems with you, I'm going to share them anyway. Um, be, because I know that I, I heard others, others stories, those vulnerabilities you mentioned, people were sharing what I thought was uniquely mine. I felt that I was the only person in, on the planet in the universe that had gone through the shit that I did. And I found out that that was not true. So that's why I'm here today. That's why we're talking. <laughs> Things that you just said. Number one, I want to thank you for your vulnerability. This is the, what we talked about when you admit some of your vulnerabilities. I'm not saying here, hey, Chris, you drunk. Oh, my God. You know what? I have a lot of experience with alcoholism. My dad was an alcoholic. I've been through rehab five times, not for me, but with friends. So I understand, I think, the addiction world. Um, so number one, thank you for your vulnerability. And here's what I think um, where you're going with this. And I think many times your greatest passions and your life's mission many times are born out of your unmet needs in your deepest wounds. I'm going to say that again because I think it's really important. I think many times in life our greatest passions and our life missions are born out of our unmet needs and our greatest wounds. That was a wounded period of your life, Chris. So you know what a lot of people do? You talked about earlier, what do great performers do? A lot of people in life get knocked down and they stay down. One of the beauties of you, Chris, is you got knocked down in about four different areas and you built, you rebuilt your life, you on a bedrock of values and strengths. And the other thing you said about you realized it wasn't me, um, this book, Networking as a Contact Sport, ended up making the New York Times bestseller. And I think it did for one reason. I helped um, redefine what networking is. And networking is, and we all have a mindset. When I hear the word networking, I hate it because we all think of the alpha male chasing you down at a cocktail party with his business card. This book is the complete opposite. It's the subtitle is how staying connected and serving others will help grow your business, expand your influence, or even land your next job. The moral of this book or the moral of the story is one, one line. Networking is a place where we go to give and serve and help others. And if you do that, you'll get far more um, yourself than you ever imagined. But you don't go into it. Um, and let me tell you, there's a difference between um, helping others and giving unconditionally in horse trading. A lot of people horse trade. Hey, Chris, I'm going to do your show today. You better do something for me. I don't need anything. I don't want anything from you, Chris. If I can help you and your listeners move the needle, um, that's kind of what this is about. And part of the reason I'm here, Chris, I sort of got the heebie-jeebies. I got those chill up my spine when you asked me to come on board because you said something that your mission is to influence 100 million people. And Chris, I'm a little bit older than you. I have the same life mission. I worked with a coach for years and I said, ah, I kind of want to help people. He was really good. He took it from out here and brought it in. And he said, well, really, if you do one nice thing for one person, you've accomplished your life goals. So we created metrics. So my life's mission is almost identical to yours. Between now and the time I leave this earth, I want to inspire, not motivate, because motivation is like cotton candy. It makes you feel good for a little bit and you go back. Mm. But to inspire 
a hundred million people and get them to do things they never thought they could do. And a lot of people have criticized me for that, say, oh, a hundred million. Why do you need to do that? Because Chris, and you've come to the same conclusion, it determines when you get up, how you get up, who you get up with, what you say yes to in life, more importantly, what you say no to in life. And so it takes your kind of life from out here and it gets it laser focused. And almost every decision I make in life, including being on this show, as I said, should I do this? I'm here because it helps fulfill my life mission. If you, some of your listeners go and listen to this and they get inspired to do something they never thought they could do, it's part of my life's mission. So, and, and so when, when I saw that number of yours, 100 million, I kind of got, oh my God. This, how old are you, Chris? I'm 28 years old. Are you kidding me? God, it took me to 50 to figure out the stuff that you figured out in your mid-20s. But I'm not that smart. <laughs> if I was really smart, um, I'd be uh, sailing in the Caribbean right now. No, I'm joking. Mm. So kudos <clears throat> to you, being 28 and having this stuff figured out. Thank you. I, 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 I want to make my son proud, and I want to leave... I want to leave this planet knowing that I did my part every day and I was not willing to settle for less. I'm not willing to settle for less. The original number was 10,000 and I thought it was going to take 10 years, ended up blowing past it two and a half. So I had to up the ante. <laughs> uh, and that's, that's why we're here. hundred million may be low for you. I think so. I think so. But we got to get started somewhere. So I'm going to challenge you to that. But Chris, you said something. I just, oh, I just you. want to comment on this book after further after further review. And I, um, uh, I have a chapter on leaving a legacy in life, mm -hmm. and a couple of reflections on that. I just want to bring it up for your son. First of all, I think your your legacy is bigger than your biology. Most of us mm. think our legacy is in your son or our kids. And I'm not downgrading that. That's important. But Chris, everyone you touch, every person you interview, you're leaving your legacy. And, and if you really want to leave a legacy, it's, you've got to live a legacy every day. And some people think, I write about it in the book, well, if I can give a million dollars to this college and have my name on a dorm then that I'll leave a legacy. That's really not leaving a legacy. And I've given a lot of eulogies for friends and I use quotes from this book, from my book. But leaving a legacy is, is leaving everyone you touch a little bit better. You can mm. leave a legacy with the checkout woman at the grocery store, at the, little, at the kid at the Little League Diamond. Everyone you touch and meet, they leave you Chris Decker and say, you know what, I feel a little bit better by being uh, real and authentic with Chris Decker. Mm -hmm. mm. <sighs> Joe, we've, we've, we've covered a lot today and, and thank you for bringing anecdotes and stories and sharing what your life's mission is. And I'm, I'm very privileged to have had this discussion with you. Are there any closing thoughts that you have for today? Well, I've got a lot of them. So what you, um, 
and again, I'm not trying to promote books. I don't care if I sell any <laughs> of them. I think the one message that I'd probably want to leave with your, um, I'll leave two messages. Number one is um, uh, in this pandemic and um, social distancing, um, this whole idea that networking is a contact sport, people are saying, oh, that's kind of weird. But I think you got to find ways to connect because I think with this whole pandemic, um, alcoholism, depression is is skyrocketed through this thing called isolation and social distancing. So I'd invite everyone to consider finding new ways to connect with people. And the other thing is um, a lot of us feel we're in a dark period with social distancing, with social unrest, with political uncertainty and divisiveness. Um, I think the world needs two things right now, a vaccine or some clarity on the coronavirus and politics. But I think even in these dark times, I think we all need a message that a light can shine through us. And that's kind of the mm. message of this book. It's a um, for some of the people who remember Tuesdays with Maury about um, Mitch Album wrote it about he and his college professor. This is about a 32-year relationship I had with a Franciscan nun who, to me, was a modern-day saint. And you talk about leaving a legacy, high-performing people. She was the closest thing to Mother Teresa in this modern-day uh, life of ours. And she just transitioned. She just died last year. So mm. keep the light shining through you. May you be a channel and a beacon of light uh, for you and all your listeners. And and keep moving that needle, Chris. I'm, I really respect what you're doing. Thank you, Joe. We are just out, about out of time for today. As we are talking, I am picking up my copy of Networking is a Contact Sport. I went on Amazon from his website, joesweeney.com. I clicked buy now, and with two clicks of a button, it'll be here tomorrow. Actually, it'll be here on Thursday. Looking forward to reading that. Um, I really appreciate having met you, and this is going to go out today. <laughs>